This is the Young Professionals Podcast, proudly brought to you by Adapt Careers, where we speak with young professionals to understand what they do in their roles day to day, how they got there and what they've learned along the way. My name is Luke Marriott. And I am Nicholas Sargent, better known as Sarge. And we are your co-hosts. Sarge, what do our listeners need to do? To stay up to date and support what we're doing, please subscribe, like the episode and leave a comment on any of our social channels. We can't wait to hear from you. Hi guys, Luke and Sarge here and welcome back to another episode of the Young Professionals Podcast. Luke, who do we have on the show today? Sarge, I know I say this all the time, but a very exciting guest today is Daniel Club, <laughs> who is a creative strategist at TikTok. Originally from Brisbane, Daniel has worked up and down all of Australia's East Coast, having moved to Melbourne after a brief stint at university and now back up to Sydney for his new role at TikTok. Daniel has been a force in digital marketing for many years, having been at the coalface of social media marketing since its coming of age in the early 2010s. Daniel has worked at many businesses in the marketing industry, perhaps most notably at one of the world's leading marketing outfits in Clemenger BBDO. Having cut his teeth as a nightclub promoter of all things after finishing school, Daniel is a prime example of how having an open mind to different opportunities can lead to unexpected career paths, particularly when new and emerging technology is involved. Daniel now works with leading global brands to develop their social media strategy on the rapidly expanding TikTok platform. Daniel, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Good to be here. Oh, mate, it's great to have you on. And obviously, there are some really interesting things that we want to touch on today, particularly with your current role at TikTok. So why don't you take us through what a creative strategist is and, and maybe for those that uh, might be living under a rock and haven't heard of TikTok, what TikTok is and, and what you guys are doing. Yeah, so um, TikTok I guess to kick things off, and this is an explanation I, I reckon I give about seven times a day. This is, in fact, my job is to explain what TikTok is. Um, so I better do a good job of it. Uh, TikTok is a short form mobile video app. That's at its core what it is. It doesn't live on desktop. It doesn't live anywhere else. You can kind of look at videos on the desktop, but it is an app on your mobile phone where you go to watch short form uh, funny videos. Uh, we talk a lot about what TikTok is about. It's about two things. It's about creativity and it's about joy. So the creativity on my end always, I kind of think speaks to the editing functionalities of the app. So it's really easy to shoot videos on TikTok and to cut videos down, to add music to it, uh, to add AR effects, things like that. So it's easy to create. And the other aspect is joyful. It's a joyful platform. TikTok is a fun platform. I think if I go on Instagram and I spend a lot of time across all social media uh, apps. If anything, the moment it's got a feed, I am probably addicted to it. Um, it's a real problem. I'm working through it with my therapist, but that is, I think, um, you know, if I go onto my Instagram, it's a lot of news. It's a lot of current events. I like it like that on TikTok. It's just fun. It's, um, dancing videos, it's comedy, it's musicians. It's, it's a whole range of content from, creators all around the world. You can see a creator in Japan with a video that goes viral. There was a, a Russian Kellogg's ad that went viral the other week and spawned hundreds of thousands of iterations uh, from all around the world. So that's what TikTok is. Um, and in terms of my job, so I'm a creative strategist at TikTok, as you said, Luke, it's, um, and my job is to help brands find their place on the platform. So help brands find what it looks like to advertise on such an almost enigmatic platform because it's quite different to anything we've seen before. Although I'm sure that every platform says that about themselves, um, but I swear it's true this time. No, it's, uh, it is a bit of an enigma. It's an, not really a social media platform as much as an entertainment platform. And the content on there is different. So my job is to help brands figure out new ways to speak to consumers 
on TikTok. Uh, I'll guess in in a day to day that looks like me creating concepts. So I'll write concepts for major brands, anyone from uh, supporting you know a Macca's campaign to Nissan. Uh, to Doritos, uh, to uh, Pepsi. Pepsi had a fantastic campaign that launched a few weeks ago that I was lucky enough to work on. So big brands like that, um, and I focus particularly on FMCG, so fast-moving consumer goods, uh, QSR, quick service restaurants, and automotive. So those are my verticals. Those are my pillars. Um, and I help major brands in those areas think of what ridiculous things they can put on TikTok to engage with consumers. Just on that, Daniel, how long does a TikTok video go for? Uh, anywhere from, I think the, the quickest, uh, are probably about six seconds. I think that's the quickest you're going to see up to a minute. Yeah. So you've got, you've got a very short window of time to, to pitch the brand as, as best the brand can on TikTok. Correct. It's, um, and I think part of it is about the videos you're putting out. It's about, you know, communicating to people. Um, the other part of that is, one of the things we often say is that this storytelling that we've become so used to, which is what social media is all about, whether it's Twitter, whether it's LinkedIn or it's Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, we're all about storytelling. But on TikTok, it's kind of become uh, more interactive. Storytelling has become a two-way conversation. So brands will put out a piece of content and consumers will respond, not just with a comment or a like or a share, but they'll create their own versions. Because again, editing content on TikTok, creating content so easy to do, the brands put out this thing called, ultimately what it's called is a hashtag challenge. They'll put out a branded hashtag challenge and then people will see that and they'll create, you know, they'll create content in response. So it's really the best campaigns are the ones that get consumers making ads for brands. So um, it's about, you know, part of it is about the story that you're telling, but part of it is about what brief are you giving to people on TikTok to respond to. It almost seems like the ultimate test of brand equity, right? So it's like if, if you get a, and I don't use TikTok, like complete um, transparency there, but on, on the face of it, it seems like that um, if a company can go out to all of its followers or the world really that don't follow it and they can get buy-in from people to take time out of their day to make a video <laughs> about that brand, it's like, well, they obviously view that brand quite favorably. Correct. And I think... Part, that's a major aspect. And I think the exciting bit for me as well is for years, we've been talking about the value of UGC, of user-generated content. We know that a video from a user is a hell of a lot more valuable than a video from a brand. A brand saying, hey, I'm really good. That's one thing. A user saying, hey, this brand is really good. That's another altogether. And so it's the power of a review. You know, we will see, I'll see a brand talking about how good they are for you know, in every piece of advertising since advertising dawn, but the value in a five-star review and a single paragraph where someone goes, Hey, I like this brand for X reasons. That's what I'm going to believe. That's what I'm going to look at. So if you take that review and you make it creative, you make it fun and you make it video, there's a lot of power in that in getting a million views, not on your brand's ad, but on an ad someone's made for you, I think is, is pretty exciting for brands. To, to that, that's, it's, it's, person, it's personal and it's objective. Like you're removing brands saying, hey, look, how good am I? It's, it's someone saying, yeah, I really like this brand and they'll probably say why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, and it goes, it toes the line between part of it is product review. Sure. I think there's a massive hashtag with hundreds of millions of views called hashtag TikTok made me buy it. And that's literally people reviewing products. The other part is brands making challenges where it just involves them 
but gets people telling a story about something else. So the brand is involved, you know, it, it is innately involved in that content, but, but it's not the focus. It's kind of the backdrop. Product placement in movies. Like I remember doing year 10 yeah. media studies at, or year nine media studies at school. And one of the, one of the key topics we focused on was product placement. And we watched back to the future and there's, I think Nike features a fair few times a bloke in that movie is wearing the old Air Force 90s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the the, the laceless, um, the clicker button and they lace themselves up, yeah. those ones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, um, it is product placement. It's, you know, I think people are coming to TikTok to make content. A massive, uh, you know, a huge amount of people are coming to TikTok to make content significantly more than I ever thought in terms of percentages, um, which I can't go into, but you know, they're coming to the platform to make content. And if you as a brand can give them the right challenge, the right content to make, you're not interrupting them. You're not an ad break in between a show you're watching. You're actually adding to their experience. You're at, at, you know, you're making it better for them. Uh, all of this makes complete sense. And I think if I, I come, growing up in kind of the last 10 years, we've kind of just been accepting of social media and, and it's just become a thing that is part of our lives. What is it like working as a creative strategist trying to sell what you've just said to us to, well, not sell to a company, but explain to a company the benefits of using that user-generated content in the way that you just described? And and by that, I mean, do you have to, is there an education piece there in terms of the people that you're talking to really explaining, hey, this is the benefit of this and, and you know that it's fact, but what skills are you using to really get that message across to people that might be a bit, you know, entrenched in the ways they've been doing things for, for 10 years? I think it's, yeah, it's, it's interesting. So that's a big part of my role. I think probably about half of my role is pitching ideas. The other half is this education piece. It's, you know, if, if me giving an idea to a brand is giving them fish, the education piece is teaching them how to fish. So as much as I'd love to be involved in every TikTok campaign, the dream is that agencies in, if us, what's, in fact, it's already happening, is that agencies are coming to us with fully fleshed out ideas. I'm looking at them and, you know, there are some fantastic agencies around the country that this is happening with. They're coming to us. I'm looking at them going, I can't feedback on this. This is brilliant idea. These are fantastic TikTok ideas people that know the platform. And so in terms of the skills, like communication presenting is a massive one. I present, I've got an introduction to TikTok deck that has changed a million times. It's in, it is in fact a moving feast. It's constantly being updated, um, which I have shopped around to probably every creative agency in the country, um, which is a thing I really like doing. I love presenting. I love going out to agencies or zooming in with agencies rather to present um, an introduction to the entire agency on the value of TikTok. And I think at the end of the day, in terms of how we sell it, it's, you know, whenever we get a brief, the brief is a problem. It's a problem that requires a solution and TikTok. And I genuinely believe this is solving one of the major problems for brands, which is brands are struggling to connect with consumers in meaningful ways. And we know that people are having really meaningful interactions on TikTok. They're not just coming to the platform and watching, they're listening. TikTok is a sound on platform. So when I'm on Instagram or on other channels, I'm chances I'm looking at Netflix, I got my laptop open, I'm sort of scrolling, not really listening. When you're on TikTok, because it's sound on, you're fully immersed in it. You're fully engaged with it, sound on full screen. And so for brands, the opportunity there is that meaningful connection. 
to make that meaningful connection. I can relate with the sound on part because I opened up TikTok the, the app yesterday just to kind of have a flick around and, and it just starts screaming at me. I was like, not used to this. Yeah. It's like, what's going on? <laughs> um, no, but it's certainly a different kind of um, beast to, to be tackling. Um, mm-hmm. How did you get the job at TikTok? And was that always kind of something that you were maybe firing towards? I assume not because it's a relatively new platform. How did that come about in terms of your, your role there? Um. How did it come about? So it was, I I was a cold call LinkedIn application. Um, There was, so when I started at TikTok, I was the, about the fifth employee um, locally. And so there were not many people in the office. Um, We had a fantastic team in China, but also around the world. Um, But so when I interviewed, it was months of interviewing with people, you know, from Japan, from China, from Singapore, from the States, everyone was sort of all over the shop because there was no local team at this point. Um, had it always been on my radar, not TikTok specifically. I kind of had a feeling that going platform side was so like to do a Facebook and Instagram, a Snapchat or a social media platform was the logical next step for me. And this is not something like a logical next step that I'd had planned out six years in the making or anything like that. None of my roles have ever, I've never been able to have that much foresight probably as a result of the fact that these apps didn't exist when I was starting my career outside of Facebook. And even then it was a very different shaped beast. Um, but uh, I, I knew that the next logical step for me, having been in a few, you know, having been in social media for a very long time, um, I'd sort of hit the limit of specialization in social media at an agency and the next step made sense to move to a platform. When you say that the next step made sense, is that something that you, a conclusion you came to yourself or did you speak to other people about that to, to get that understanding? Um, I worked with, so part of my role at Clemenger, my most recent role um, when I wrapped up at Clems was a connections director, which was for all purposes, a head of social position. Um, and a major part of my role was working with the creative strategists from all the other platforms. So fantastic, brilliant creative strategists who I'm still good mates with from Snapchat, have a fantastic team, Spotify, Facebook, um, you know, even the LinkedIn, the Pinterest, the Twitter team, they're all, um, I'd worked with a lot of them. I'd worked with all of them. I was their point of contact at Clems. Whenever we had questions about the platform, I was, I was the one that people would come to for information. Whenever that information was beyond me, I'd reach out to the creative strats or I'd bring them into ideate with us. And so I'd seen how these, how people function in this role in other platforms. And I knew that for all purposes, I was kind of doing that role, except I was doing it for seven platforms and one agency. Whereas my role at TikTok is now doing it for a single platform, but heaps of agencies all the agencies from around the country. So I'd seen it in action and I was, if anything, like lucky enough to be able to see these brilliant creative strats from other platforms um, function, function really well, work with creative agencies like Clems. So I saw that and was like, I think that makes sense. Can you go into a bit more detail? You touch on kind of the the two parts of your role in terms one of them being education, but can you touch on the more you know, creative strategy side of things and what you're actually doing with a brand when you, they come and, and work with TikTok? Mm-hmm. So they will, a brand will send us a brief. They'll send a brief to uh, our brand partnerships managers, our BPMs, we call them, who are our client partners. They're our um, fantastic uh, sales team, pretty much. Um, and it's not selling as in like slinging ads here, you know, come on, mate, buy another one. It's um, 
they're problem solvers and we're pitching solutions to problems. And so brands will send a brief to a salesperson, um, to our client partners. If that brief is, is of a certain amount of money, then that will give them access to the creative strategy team, which is myself and two other guys, Ollie and the guy called Denny, who's just joined us, who's fantastic. Both of them are great. Um, they'll send that brief to us, depending on whose vertical it's in, it will come to myself or one of the other two creative strats. I'll then kind of have a look at the brief, write down some initial thoughts, and I'll probably grab one of the other two guys. So creativity works best when there's more than one person. If it was just me ideating on a brief, I'd throw an idea. I'd be like, you kind of can't see the forest from the trees a bit. It's like playing tennis against a wall. You're having a rally with yourself at the end of the day. And I'm like, I think this is a good idea, but I'm not really sure. Creative agencies and all creative platforms um, pair people together. So in creative agencies in any creative department, or most you will traditionally, it'll always be a copywriter, someone who writes and an art director, someone who designs, and they will pair those two together. And it's a real one plus one equals three situation. If you put two people together, the product of having those people together means you get someone that's much better. So I'll grab a brief will come in. I'll grab Ollie or Denny. Hey guys, I'll put in half an hour to jam with them. Um, you know, one of them will jump on a zoom call together and we will just, kind of shoot the shit for 30 minutes. I'll generally read out the brief because um, I learn by saying, and then Ollie, for example, who's been there, started on the same day as me, he learns by writing. And so he'll write down ideas that come to his mind. Then we'll get to the end of it or we'll stop halfway through and he'll just throw out, you know, what about this? And it might be a completely ridiculous idea. And often they are like, this has come to me. I don't know if this is it, but you throw it out and creativity has to be ideation has to be a really safe space. There's literally no bad ideas because he'll say that. And I'll be like, that's wild. And while I don't think it works like that, what if you take it like a sharp left turn from that and you go over to here and he goes, that's interesting. What if you go from there up and to the right and you end up in somewhere because there's two of you that neither of you on your own would have gotten to. And I think that from there, we'll pick out a couple of territories. I'll pull that into a massive, a, a big presentation with like a couple of slides on like what TikTok is just to get people in the headspace. Then you'll write a few slides that are all about um, setting it up. Your brand is about this. We're about this together. We think there's a nice territory here. And then his idea one, his idea two, his idea three. And so it's all, it's presenting, it's pitching, it's making keynote decks with pretty pictures and nice transitions. It's like, really, if you boil my job down, that is pretty much what I do. It sounds like good fun. Mate, it is. We have the moment, I think particularly with TikTok, because it is a joyful platform. Um, like I worked on some serious campaigns at Clems where it was quite emotional storytelling and it's quite involved and quite serious. And there's absolutely value in that but I'm a bit of a joker. I kind of always uh, have been and TikTok, it's all fun stuff. And so I was chatting with, I was ideating with Denny last week for a, a, a kind of a spreadable brand. I probably can't go into much more detail, but, um, but we were throwing these ridiculous ideas out and he was like, man, I can't believe we're getting paid for this. Like, this is hilarious. Cause you're, you end up laughing the entire time. That's not always with ideation, but on TikTok, it's, generally all joyful and positive it has to be to sort of resonate on the platform so we are throwing out ridiculous ideas and having an absolute blast doing it it is really good fun that part there's a lot there are a lot of parts of the job that aren't like a lot of it's quite tedious making decks building narratives like writing to like to pitch mm. that's that's the same with any job though you're, you're gonna get that anywhere 100 percent. if anything i remember um 
I found it quite paralyzing in school. And this is probably jumping back a bit. They were like, find it. It was all find a job you love, find a job you love. And you're never going to find a job that you love in its entirety. And I, anything I think that I found quite paralyzing as a concept, particularly going into uni. I'm probably just ripping apart your agenda here, guys, by the way. Um, <laughs> no, but, but, you know, You'd be surprised. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and it completely, I, I found that really hard to even contemplate. And you, you are never going to find a job where you like every part of it. There are parts of every job I've had that are just tedious, like timesheets. My God, do I hate timesheets? But that step into you know, my office, my friend. <laughs> oh no, this is this is my first job in years. I haven't had timesheets, and I think, I'm, I think I'm two weeks outstanding at the moment. <laughs> uh, <yeah. laughs> oh man, I I used to get some rubbish emails, um, some pointed emails, we'll say from the CFO, being like, Dan, you are a month behind. What's going on here? Um, they they cut off your internet at Clems if you did that. So it was um, yeah, which is practically like food and water, really. <laughs> Uh, you mentioned that school's probably a nice segue. When when you were at school, what what were you thinking about doing? Like, you, you couldn't have contemplated that you'd be working at TikTok because, as you said before, TikTok didn't exist. What was on? What were you thinking about at that time? Mate, Facebook barely existed um, when I was in school. Like, oh, it did. It did. I think my first post was probably in grade nine or something mortifying like that. It pops up once a year, and I'm like, that's good. It's still there. That's nice. Um, what was I thinking? Not even advertising. Um, I liked, I loved my humanities. So I, I was the only guy in my grade that didn't study a science. So the school was very much like everyone does a science. I did two weeks of chemistry and I was like, guys, I'm not doing this. So I did, you know, modern history, ancient history. I, I studied German for five years. I did Latin, things like that. So I liked writing and I, lo- I always loved reading. I'm a massive, like I read probably a fantasy book a week. I'm a huge fantasy book nerd. Um, so if you're looking for recommendations, hit me up. Um, but I can see some but, over your right shoulder, mate. You got a nice oh, mate, shelf yeah. there. <laughs> this is this is my housemate. So this is my housemate section. Um, I'll, I can give you a tour. I can give you a tour. But um, <laughs> but not. I, I was not thinking this. I think I went to a school that was very much, you know, are you going to be a doctor, a lawyer, or an accountant? And those wow. were the things that you were going to study. Was it commerce? Was it law? Was it medicine? And and I found that again very paralyzing because I don't think any of those were right for me. So, what did that next step look like? And we touched on it at the start. The start that you had a kind of brief stint at university. Do you want to walk us through what what happened there and and kind of your next steps in terms of getting getting some experience in whatever field it was? Yeah. So i I went from school, and I think the first thing I went into study was arts. I think I was. It was. I probably needed a break. Well, listen, everything's worked out fine. Hindsight's twenty twenty, I guess. Um, but I went from school to straight into uni. I went to UQ, great university. I had lots of friends. I was very social and didn't really do uh, much studying um, at all, much to the uh, dislike of my parents um, and probably the people who I was in classes with. Um, but, uh, you know, I was, what did I do after school? I was in a band. So I was singer in a band in high school. I loved music. Um, we, you know, we're gigging around the place. I think there was a brief moment where we were like, are we going to do this music thing seriously? Are we going to take it seriously? We played gigs, you know, we'd kind of flown around a bit to perform gigs, but mostly in Brisbane. And I found out that the moment I started contemplating doing music as a full-time gig, no pun intended, um, it stopped being as fun. So I realized very quickly that I wanted to, that music was better as a hobby for me. Um, 
but I was at university. I then through the band met some guys that were running club nights around Brisbane. Um, and in comes the nightclub promoting aspect of my life, which I did alongside university. Um, so I was, and that was fantastic. I met my best mate, um, who I lived with now through nightclub promoting. I became a DJ, um, with another guy that I was in the band with. We played, you know, um, we played festivals around, around Australia. We played festivals mostly around sort of Queensland and Brisbane, Splendors, things like that, which I loved and has been of massive help. Um, probably still to this day, because knowing how big t- music is on TikTok. So that's one of the things, it's one of the puzzle pieces that I wasn't quite sure where it would fit back then. But again, looking in hindsight, there's a bit of a pattern here. And that music knowledge and that music understanding has been of huge help. Like I sing jingles and pitches now, um, you know, anything to get that win, guys, and uh, anything <laughs> to get the sale. And, and that's a big help. But I think it was going into nightclub promotion and I really loved the idea and it wasn't just, you know, drink tickets and things like that. Although there was a lot of that. It was the going into free, the free office, entry too. free entry before 11, $10 after like <laughs> I've, my Facebook memories are an absolute graveyard of terrible promoter statuses for myself, <laughs> my housemate and all of that. Um, but it was, it was the real money aspects. So I was going to university. I studied, arts first then I went into commerce then I went into law for six months then back to business management for years you know failing more than a couple of subjects more than a couple and because I wasn't engaged because I was doing these assignments where it was pretend it was pretend mm-hmm. money and then I was going into a club and I was going to the office for the nightclub and they were a marketing and events agency on top working with music festivals and things like that and I was seeing you know I'd write the Facebook copy for the event, I'd money behind the post because that was at the start of Facebook promotion. And again, something that then was the shit kicker job. And I was absolutely bottom of the food chain there. Like I was the shit kicker, but it's something, again, another puzzle piece that in hindsight is part of something much larger, but then wasn't. And I was going into these meetings on a Monday morning. They'd be like, cool. So we made X amount on the door. We made X amount on the bar the amount that we cost to fly this DJ in from the States was X. So then our profit was X. And I was like, this is the kind of maths I like. I was never algebraic. I was never, the moment they started mixing in the alphabet with mathematics, they lost me altogether. <laughs> but money maths, like money maths, I really like. Right. I, th- I think this is a really important point because I, I can see, mm. um, you know, any parents listening to, to this chat, as soon as kind of nightclub promoting comes up there, I can kind of feel their eyeballs rolling to the back of their head. But something that I, <laughs> I really wanted to, to, to bring out in this chat is that, you know, on reflection, there was kids that when we were in kind of year 11 and year 12, they're kind of a couple of years above us and you see them on Facebook starting this nightclub promoting thing. And you're like, that, that looks fun, but where's your career going after that? But when you really think about it, it's like you were the first ones really at that time to take advantage of say Facebook and Facebook's, um, you know, photo album and, 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 mm-hmm. and using that to, to be a marketing driving force. And when you reflect on what you guys were doing at that time, like what you're saying there is like, there is a back office to this stuff and you're trying to make money mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a marketing machine and, and you're bringing in, you know, DJs from around the world and, and you're putting on festivals and that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it is a really big industry and, um, if you have, it would seem if you've got a kind of a North star of, I want to make it in this thing, like it, it could be a really good, um, kind of part-time job, if you will, um, to get some exposures to the industry. Absolutely. I think there were three main areas. It was that I think benefited me from that nightclub promoting. And it was maybe four. part of it was writing. 
like everything that I was doing from Facebook posts, from my own cringeworthy Facebook posts promoting to posts from the nightclub to things like that, writing event, you know, write-ups with my housemate now, who's, you know, literally a, who's a journalist by trade. Like he, he writes well now. The writing, everything in my job is writing. Absolutely everything from writing scripts to writing presentations. There was that. There was the marketing aspect of it you know, figuring out how to market things to consumers. There was the money side, which was really big, working with real dollars saying, I put this in and this is the amount of money that comes out. If we are paying this much for an artist, how much are we charging on the door to make that back? And I had never considered myself mathematically minded, but that is a kind of maths that I loved. And that has again, held me in good stead looking at production budgets versus how much reach, how much media money is going to be spent on a campaign to this day. And I think the other aspect was networking. And this is something that, you know, my parents did see value. Like they were as alarmed as any parent would be when their 19 year old son with shoulder length ratchet hair that just needs a good wash rolls in and goes, Mum, dad, I think I want to own a nightclub. Like, I think that's what I want to do. Like they naturally had that probably same ultimate panic attack. Um, but, but it worked out. And the thing that they saw value in was the networking. And in my mind, when I was in university, particularly networking was this cold calculated thing that you did at university days. And it was, you go there, you shake hands, you talk about what you're studying and you do it in a very monotonous sort of tone. And that, that is it. And then you walk away and get drunk with your friends. That was what networking was. It was networking and socializing were two very separate things. And my parents and, you know, I remember talking with my dad very much saw the difference there. He was like, the network you're going to be building and the network that I did build to this day, like I probably know half of Brisbane, certainly most of them in my, like my Facebook friends, I'm, I scroll through and I go, I've got no idea who half of these people are, but if I was to see them, I'd know them. And it was welcoming people into a nightclub, hosting a room, things like that, like making small talk. I can, you know, that stuff, there's a lot of value in that. And it is socializing. Networking is socializing. There is no difference between the two of them. Making friends, networking, it's all the same. Was it a premeditated thing that you realized kind of early on and you were like, oh, I I can get uh, another positive externality of this this job um, and that is meeting all these people or is that something that you kind of realized on reflection later? Reflection. I think like when I was in it, I I had no idea what I was doing. The same as anybody else. I had the same stress and anxiety. Like when I, I began realizing working in the nightclub, like I was, I was getting paid, not much, you know, in drink tickets were probably a food group for me at this point. Um, In terms of the hierarchy of needs, they were right at the top of that one. Um, but it, I think, no, it, it was, it's on reflection that that stuff was of value in the moment. I was very anxious about upon the realization that maybe like I wasn't going to be finishing uni anytime soon. My friends were, I felt like I was in a rush because I had friends graduating three years out and I'm like, Oh my God, like I'm a nightclub promoter. Someone's working as a lawyer. Like shit, I have stuffed it. I've stuffed my whole life. And it felt like I was in this mad rush to start full-time work, which on reflection, the moment you start full-time work, it's you're there for the rest of your life. Like that is like you, you work and then you die not to get so grim, but like I've got friends who are still at university and previously had I been 21, I would have been like, 
oh my God, that's like alarming. Like, what are you doing? You're still at uni, like at, at the age of 28. Now I'm, I'm 28. I've got mates who are still studying, figuring out what they want to do. And they're going, dude, take your time. Like lean into that, figure out what you want to do. I've got a mate who started with law, moved to science. And is now like, I want to be a vet. And the moment he said it, we were all like, oh dude, that makes sense. Like that makes total sense. Great. And sure. It took him a bit longer to figure it out, but all you've got waiting for you is an endless amount of working, an infinite amount of nine to five. God, am I, is this getting a bit dark? Cause it feels no, like no, it's, it, I think um, it, it, it goes to our narrative, right? Because it's well, not our narrative, but something that we talk about a lot. It's like, you know, you're not going to love every second of every day of every job, but if you can take some time to figure out one, the skills that you're actually good at yeah. two, where those things might fit in well, um, and then give yourself the opportunity to go and explore, you know, even I was going to say the world, but even just your city, right. And explore your network and explore yeah. people that you know and what they do, you'll probably find something yeah. that is a little bit closer to enjoying every day of work than yeah. where you might be your first time around. 100%. I think our generation is going to have, what, five career changes on average in our life or something. Like, I, there's this really grim statement um, that is this, this old, old line. It's in advertising, you're underpaid in your 20s, you're overpaid in your 30s, and you're not paid in your 40s because it's hard to be. And, and it's not true. I've worked with some brilliant creatives, you know, who are 40 plus, brilliant. It's probably the best I've ever worked with who are 50 plus amazing minds, but it does become a more difficult industry the older you get. And I look at that and I'm 28. Like I'm, I'm unfortunately still in the underpaid part of that analogy <laughs> if it holds true. Only, only two years to go. Two years to go. God, am I waiting for that paycheck? I'm like, so I read this analogy. I'm waiting for that paycheck. But, um, but that causes me anxiety for sure when I think of that. And so I can see myself giving it 10 years and switching up altogether. Like mm. maybe it's archaeology that again, and again, <laughs> to go back to that point, that's just always something I've been interested in. Maybe it's something completely left of field languages, writing literature. Mm. I don't know. I've got 10 years to figure it out. But again, it's that thought of going back to study something. Now I look at that and I look at a university and I go, cool. How cool would that be mm. to go sit in a room with someone and to learn? Whereas you could, you could not have paid me. Yeah, you've taken the time to, to go and experience something in the real world, right? And now you can contextualize whatever you might want to learn rather than going there being like, oh my God, all my mates are doing this. I need to go and do something. And it's kind of a just yeah. just in case kind of thing. Um, mate, it what, felt what, like a real rush. I just want to, can we just go back to one one thing you said before, Daniel? We're talking about uh, socializing and networking and that they're one in the same and that you reflect on your time in the nightclubs and you you, you didn't, like it wasn't deliberate. Um, I think one thing for me that I think is important to point out is that you were just being yourself probably in that context and mm -hmm. you know, you're, you were just a people person and you enjoyed socializing. Like it's not like you were doing anything deliberate and maybe that's, there was nothing deliberate in it. And that's there maybe was, why yeah. it was so um, like why it was so fun and so beneficial and you did it so well is because you were just being yourself and you weren't thinking about trying to get anything out of it. Yeah. And the thing that I was getting out of it was drink tickets. It was like short form enjoyment <laughs> and, and like, and, and fun hanging out with my friends in bars. It was socializing. Like I'm a, I'm yeah, atypical extrovert. Um, and not to, not, I don't necessarily fully agree with boxes like that, but I recharge around people. 
I, I like being around people. Ironically, I don't love crowds. It was the busiest night in the nightclubs that were probably my least favorite. I was like, why are all these people over at my house? It feels weird. Um, <laughs> but, but I loved socializing and I loved meeting people and I loved going out and, you know, not even just getting so drunk that I couldn't move. Like I, I rarely did that because it was my job. I was never getting, like, I can remember every night there. Um, theoretically I could maybe, but you know, I, I was never getting so drunk that I, that I couldn't work yeah. and it was socializing that was good. It wasn't, it wasn't the going out and getting wasted or anything. It was meeting people, socializing, dancing, the music that mm. was, those are the things that I liked. And those are things that have kind of been more constant, not constant throughout all my jobs, but like a, a huge part of my job now is going out, meeting people presenting like pitching talking which you again get, do you get to dance with them no but tiktok is a <laughs> dancing TikTok. music platform yeah <laughs> so mate i have i groove i groove a little bit when we're playing case study case study videos and there's like a good tune in the background i'll, I'll do a little <laughs> side to side i'll do a little side to side um but yeah it's no at, at the time it was not conscious it was not thought out it was not premeditated or anything like that um it's again, in retrospect, there's that pattern, but at the time I was just having a good, good time. Mate, I want to ask you, uh, I guess for some advice for people coming into the industry and something that you touched on earlier was that coming through your kind of coming through the ranks of the industries, sorry, the businesses that, you, that you've been in, if you're in social media, you're probably the head of the team. Cause there might only be one or two of you there. Cause it's always been a, a growing thing. Um, I can see, and I don't know, but I can see that it's growing um, into more of a legitimate kind of career pathway now in terms of being in control of social media um, from a company standpoint. What could junior people coming out of uni or even out of school be doing to set themselves apart in terms of, hey, look what I've done for you know my local footy club or, or whatever it might be um, to, to, I guess, legitimize their claim of being in that career? So I think it's... If you're wanting to get into social media, the things that I look for in hiring, and this is probably more for previous roles as opposed to the one I'm in now, um, like there, there are roles. There's now a ladder, which I almost get jealous of because I never had that. I never knew what my next role was. I generally in my, not always at Clems, when I moved to Cleminger, I was a social strategist and we had a head of social, Bree Stewart, who was probably the best boss I've ever had in my life. And it was really nice to see what a senior person in that role looked like in social media. She was fantastic. What made her so good? Creatively brilliant. Um, she was, uh, they call it um, like radical candor, I think is, is one of these concepts here where she, she was so like, if something was wrong, she would tell you immediately. And I work really well with bosses who are extremely direct. I, I absolutely thrive in that sort of environment when I've done something wrong, like you immediately tell me and, and, and it's done. Like I work well with learning. So efficient. And my God, did I learn efficiently? (laughs) Like I I got there and I, I knew social media. I thought I kind of knew social. I remember when I went to Clems, I was like the social media that I know and the social media that they know it's going to be completely different. Like, Oh my God. And I got there and I was like, Oh no, I actually know these, I know the technical aspects, but the things that I learned from, from Brie was how to be like, uh, both a, a good, but 
you know, uh, a critically good, but also like very emotionally intelligent leader. Like she led from the front and if you weren't okay, she would check in on you. But at the same time, like got the most out of you from a work perspective, but also managed you emotionally because it was, it was a high emotion, intense job. My first year at Clemenger was the most intense year of probably my career, certainly up until that point. And she got the most out of us, but also made sure that we were okay. If she would, you know, the buck stopped with her. If we stuffed up, she'd own it. She would own it from the front and then work with us to improve it. She was in the trenches with us. If we were working late, Brie was working later. And I think that was a massive part because anything I could do, Brie could do better. And like, absolutely. I could have almost sung that. We we're writing Disney's live, guys. <laughs> but anything I could do, Brie could do, um, Brie could do better. So it was, it was all these things she was, and, and just, you know, she taught, she taught really well. Um, so I think those were big parts, but aside from her, like every role I'd started in, I was both probably the most junior and most senior social media person, particularly in the start of it, nightclub promoting to then a marketing and events agency, only social media person. I went to an agency in Brisbane called liquid interactive again, brilliant digital agency. And I started there as an account manager and moved to the digital marketing team and then sort of moved into a more senior sort of social media role. Someone came in below me and then I went to Clems. But again, every role was the first. If I had some advice to people looking to get into social, it would be don't just rest on your degree laurels. And I think, again, there is huge value in a degree. I don't have one. I'm jealous of those that do. This isn't a don't bother getting a degree chat in the slightest. There's massive value there. But there's other things you can do. There's Facebook blueprint courses. There are Google Analytics, Google Academy courses. Like there's probably TikTok ones out there and Snapchat ones. Like extend your learning beyond that of university. Because I, I do not envy the, the lecturers and the academics in charge of writing marketing like courses because it's changing. It is live. You couldn't have written, you could not have written a TikTok. Like uh, you couldn't have written a TikTok course six months ago. I couldn't have done it. It's really interesting you say that because we were chatting to someone last week and they talked about how when you're at university, what you're learning or the, the, the core content of the course is, is based purely on the past. So, mm. which is great. And it's important to learn what happened in the past, but there's all this stuff that's going to happen in the future or that's happening right now that you don't learn at university because that's just not how university is structured. hundred mm-hmm. percent. And I think there are more dynamic courses that are able to, to kind of move around that anything from, um, uh, there's advertising from award school, for example, like there is a course called award school, but if you want to be a creative, an advertising creative in Australia, you do this course and they teach you how to understand a brief, how to respond to a brief, how to write for advertising. Like if you ever want to be a course create, uh, advertising creative, you've got to do this. It's not just about graduating with a marketing degree, specializing in advertising. And what was that award school? Cause we'll put it in the show. Award, notes. award school. Award school. And I think to that point as well, a lot of people that have spoken about, um, you know, having more time on your hands during COVID just because you're in lockdown, like, and I think this goes for anyone. Like if you're in, in high school, even not in COVID, right? It's like apart from your school sport and stuff, like you got a lot of time on the weekend mm-hmm. and, and after school, go and do a short course on fill in the blank, you know, marketing, social media, Facebook or Instagram use or TikTok, right? It's like yeah. use this spare time 
and the technology that's available to you now to go and do that two-hour course and find out, okay, it, that's something I haven't heard about before. That sounds interesting. Yeah. Now that's a career option for me maybe. Yeah, I think ab- absolutely. At the same time, I, you know, I – yeah, yeah, for sure. If you've got the time and you've got the drive to do it, absolutely. I struggled with self-directed learning. I probably still do. Um, I needed to go to – like there are courses you can do online, Facebook Blueprint, things like that. Uh, for me, I needed to pay for a course have it locked in as times that I go to. And then I need, like I needed to do that in order to rock up to it in order to mm-hmm. learn was the only way I could do it. Uh, I was always envious of people who could be like, cool, two hours Saturday, I'm going to do my Facebook blueprint. I'd be like, I, it would be like pulling teeth for me to do something like that. I can't, I can't remember who it was, but someone was talking about how they keep themselves accountable to stuff like this. And they were saying, okay, I either have to pay for a course or whatever. But one of the things that they do is they have a bet with a mate and like they both do a course or, or whatever. And it's like, if you, if you back out or you don't finish it properly, then you have to donate money to a really, um, you know, not, not, um, socially acceptable course. <laughs> so it's like that, that, that's, that's on your record if you don't complete it. So that can also be a motivator as well. I love it. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Oh, Uh, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, that would get me to do it. It's like I'm rubbish at going to the gym, but if I book in with a PT, it's like I've got no choice. mm. I have to be there. They're expecting me. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Mate, I think we've covered off a lot today. And and just before we wrap up, is there any, uh, I guess, words of wisdom that you would leave the younger people coming through into marketing or, or generally in terms of, you know, they might not necessarily know what they want to do, but of the options that are out there? Don't feel rushed. Um, and that's so easier said than done. People probably said this to me, but there is no rush. All you've got is an, you know, endless amount of nine to five working for the rest of your life and then retirement. Um, so figure out what you want to do. Take time. You'll probably change. You know, you'll probably change where you start. Isn't where you end up. My housemate studied to be a lawyer and has ended up as a really senior journalist in a job that he loves so much more than I think he would have if he'd mm-hmm. gone into law. We talk about it often. It'd be that. Um, and the other thing would be read, read as much as you can. Don't read books that you think you should read, read books that you genuinely want to read. I don't read anything but fantasy novels. And it's probably been the thing that has helped me most in my career is the fact that I just read a lot. In what, can you go into that in a little bit more? Because Sarge and I read a lot of nonfiction and I'm, I'm slowly coming towards the fiction side of things, but can you just talk to the, the benefit that you get from reading fiction? Yeah. It's not even the fiction. So I read fiction because I like fiction and I got to, I probably up until about three years ago, there were two sides to me, the books I want to read, which is fantasy, Lord of the Rings stuff, like high fantasy, science fiction, like adventures, orphan boy has hidden power and gets trained by like literally your, your stereotypical, like hero's journey, they call it. And then there's books that I think I should read. And I'd go there and the stuff that I look at and I go, I will get a lot of knowledge out of this. And the moment I would get one of those, I'd start it and I'd start strong and then I'd slow down, I'd slow down, I'd slow down and I'd stop reading because it'd be sitting on my bedside table. And I read this quote, it's like, life's too short to read books that you don't want to. And I'm not one, I'm not the kind of person, again, it's probably the self-directed learning that can sit down and read a book that I'm not interested in. So the moment I got through that, I started just treating reading like I treat Netflix. I will pick up a book that I want to binge read, that I will be start and not put down. And the moment I did that, I started reading. And I've been, I've always kind of been a biggish reader, but I'm now a book a week and I have been for years. And I churn through them and it helps my writing. Mm. 
it like just reading. It helps my writing. It helps my reading. It helps my vocabulary. It helps everything. I and imagine it's, it's something where you can switch off as well. It's like, you're not thinking about work exactly. for that hour or two that you're reading every day. hundred percent. It's, it's world building. And that's probably the other part of fantasy um, and science fiction is they're building worlds. Mm-hmm. Like they, it is full world building. It's incredible creativity as all writing. It's not just fictional or fantasy. Um, but that's just where, that's just the kind of stuff I like. If you're, if you like romance novels, then like double down, don't think that I shouldn't be reading this, like double down in it, read as many as you want to go crazy, read as many as you can. Um, because at the end of the day, most of my job, 99% from emails to decks to presentations, it's all writing. I think the the key theme for me coming out of this chat is if you're going to do something, do it with purpose and, and be interested in it, e.g. like you're reading, you're, 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 you're socializing and networking when you're at the nightclub and, and then your distaste for finishing university because you, you weren't, we weren't interested in it at the time. Like I think if, if we're interested in things and like you said, with um, even doing the short courses, it's like, Oh, I'm not doing it for the sake of it. I need to do it for a reason or at the nightclub when you're, you're learning about the money, the maths of money. It's like, Oh, this is interesting because it has purpose and direction versus algebra with the letters and numbers. So you know, looking at like Pythagoras being like, I'm not sure where I'm going to apply this. Yeah, mate, it's, it's spot on. And I think a lot of the pressure I felt going into certain things was money. I, I need to make money. Like, Oh, I need to go into a career with make money. That stuff sorts itself out. Mm. That stuff literally like the money will figure itself out. That's not something to be worried about. Certainly not in high school. Certainly not in your early twenties when you're starting a university degree, there are people who make money in all sorts of things. And generally the people who make money, in their areas are the ones who enjoy what they're doing. They find new ways to do it. They're creative about what they do. So I think, you know, I, yeah, that stuff will figure itself out. Find something you enjoy. You don't need to love all of it. You'll never love all of it, but find something you like. I think that's an awesome place to leave it, Daniel. Just want to say thanks for coming on the show. We've really enjoyed this chat. No worries, guys. I've, I've had a great time. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you have a profession you would like to know more about, a question you would like us to ask, or a story you would like to tell, please reach out to us on the social channels at either the Young Professionals Podcast, TYPPAU, or our personal profiles. We'd love to hear from you.